This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband. From closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds, we talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. On today's podcast, we are focusing on legislation that can impact high-speed internet access in communities across the country, including yours. Learn what state and federal lawmakers are doing, both in response to the need for better internet connectivity for families, businesses, students, and others during and after the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson, and today we're talking with Lindsay Conrad, the Director of Public Policy for Connected Nation. Lindsay monitors all current and forecasted federal and state broadband public policy legislation and initiatives. In this role, she develops recommendations on the strategic direction and development of Connected Nation policy, studies, and messaging to stakeholders, while also supporting and guiding the nonprofit's broadband planning, research, and policy agendas. Her work includes providing policy briefs that the public, as well as local, state, and federal leaders can access. These give readers an easy-to-understand summary of sometimes extremely complicated state and federal legislation that impacts broadband development and expansion across the United States. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jessica. I'm located in Louisville, Kentucky, and Lindsay is joining us from Knoxville, Tennessee, the home of the Tennessee Volunteers, but I've heard you're a Vanderbilt grad. Are you in enemy enemy territory? (laughs) Yes, I am, Jessica. I definitely don my black and gold in the sea of orange and white here in Knoxville. (laughs) That has to be fun, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It is. Um, I also know that you're a mom and you're also stuck at, at working at home right now during the pandemic. Um, something many of us can relate to. Well, I'm not a parent, but a lot of parents could relate to. How are you coping with uh, juggling those two things? Yeah, it's an interesting time for sure. Um, but, you know, I'm really lucky to have a great support network here at home. But as my colleagues can attest, and, and certainly you, Jessica, I often <laughs> have a rogue three-year-old or five-year-old boy that's all too excited to run in front of the camera on a Zoom call. In fact, you guys might hear him at some point, uh, one of my two boys at some point during this call. <laughs> my my big trouble is cats. I have I have cats and they're always causing trouble on one of these podcasts. Um, uh, also, um, because of uh, COVID-19, a, a question that really begs um, your point of view is your husband is a healthcare worker. Um, does that pose some unique challenges for your family as well? You know, yes and no. Um, he's a local physician here in Knoxville, so we try to take extra precautions to make sure all of us are staying healthy, especially with him in and out of the hospital every day. Um, but many days, it just feels business as usual, mostly because we're both working and we're both able to work. So we're honestly just blessed to be able to uh, have had the opportunity to 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 keep doing our occupation during this time. Um, so many others have not been so fortunate right now. So so we feel very blessed on that front. Please pass along our thanks to him because uh, you, healthcare workers really are at the front lines of all of this. So uh, our thanks to him and your family. Sure. Thanks for saying that. Um, let's turn now to your work in policy. Your focus is on broadband related legislation, which shapes different policies that could act, could excuse me, impact access in communities. Can you give us an overview or perhaps a little understanding of how you track something that's so 
that's evolving constantly, ever changing with um, lawmakers as they go back and forth. How do you keep apprised of what's happening with that? Yeah, absolutely. So our department tries to stay as up to date as possible on federal and state broadband policy, specifically tracking actions at the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Congress, and various statewide broadband offices across the country, many of which are doing so much uh, to, to help increase access for their citizens. Um, we also have a close relationship with a number of national organizations who track these same issues. So it's always helpful to have those conversations, um, read what they're reading and learn from them. So really it's a little bit of partnership, a little bit of our own work, um, a combination of all of that. Yes, that's right. Um, because of COVID-19, we're really seeing a new understanding across the country of why connectivity matters. Um, myself, as the communications director for Connect Nation, I don't, I no longer have to explain why having access is so important. That includes for people in Washington. They're starting to see why families need this. Um, congressional leaders are really responding to this with an unprecedented number of broadband-focused pieces of legislation. Can you kind of give us a an overview of what some of those pieces are and what they could mean for families or businesses and communities? Sure, Jessica. So over the course of the last several months, we, as you said, have seen the need for broadband skyrocket to legislative priority, um, which is exciting. So at Connected Nation, this has always been our mission, right, to serve the unserved. So while the pandemic has certainly been devastating for so many, I think the silver lining at least for our organization and what we're looking at is an increased focus on connecting all Americans to high-speed internet. So more so, it, it's become apparent that in a rather polarized political climate right now, broadband is one of those few bipartisan issues. Democrats and Republicans alike know that broadband is the great equalizer and that by closing this digital divide, we can keep our students learning, our workforce working, and so much more even during a worldwide pandemic. So I think that's the reason for seeing this unprecedented number of broadband-focused legislation, as you said. Just to dive into a few of the specifics, by far the largest piece of legislation on the horizon right now is the HEROES Act, which stands for, and it's a long title, so bear with me, <laughs> the Health and Economic Recovery Omnibus. Emergency Solutions Act. So there's the HEROES Act. Uh, it spans over 1,800 pages, I think, and it includes $3 trillion with a T in aid to bolster state and local government funding and also to offer additional direct relief to Americans. Um, there are just a, a vast amount of things that this piece of legislation does, but I'm going to focus on a few of the broadband-related items that are included in the legislation. So first, it calls for $5 billion in funding for Wi-Fi hotspots and other connected devices, which would be administered via the Federal Communications Commission's E-rate program. And this E-rate program, of course, many of you all remember, is a program to fund connectivity for schools and libraries. So this would really put the focus on Wi-Fi hotspots, and other connected devices. The HEROES Act also lays out $2 billion 
which would uh, temporarily expand the FCC's rural health care program. Uh, it also mentions an $8.8 billion reimbursement to providers, those are broadband providers, for offering consumers monthly broadband discounts up to $50 for low-income homes or homes that are somehow financially affected by the pandemic, maybe jobs lost or something of, of that magnitude. Uh, that uh, number is $75 for tribal lands. And then it also talks about offering connected devices to uh, the consumers. The act extends the Lifeline benefit, and, and Lifeline, I'll explain what that program is just in a moment, uh, it, and it expands that benefit to include unlimited voice and data. And so Lifeline, for those of you maybe that don't remember, is the FCC's Universal Service Fund program that offers a $9.25 monthly discount on service for eligible low-income subscribers. Subscribers may receive a Lifeline discount on either a wireline or wireless service, but not receive that discount on both services at the same time. So it also supports broadband internet access and broadband voice bundles. So in essence, uh, this provision in the HEROES Act uh, will make that service for low-income consumers unlimited. Uh, so that's what that provision does. Um, in the HEROES Act, there's also note of providers' commitments and service caps. It prevents providers uh, from cutting off service or charging late fees to consumers who are unable to pay their bills during this time. It additionally would prevent providers from capping consumers' data usage and require those providers to make Wi-Fi hotspots public across communities. And finally, uh, and I'd like to talk about this a, a little bit more on in this podcast maybe, but uh, the legislation ropes in this previously passed piece of legislation called the Broadband Data Act, which uh, it, it proposes funding of $24 million to implement the Broadband Data Act, which will uh, reform Form 477 and uh, create better FCC broadband maps. Can you explain a little bit what a Form 477 is for our audience? That's a great question. So the Form 477 is the process by which providers report their serviceable locations to the FCC. So let me just pause there, though, and say that the HEROES Act, while it has a lot of really great things in it, it is unlikely to pass the Senate in this form. So the Senate is obviously a very different atmosphere than the House. So changes will occur before this legislation lands in any final form. And currently negotiations are ongoing in the Senate right now. Um, so we do expect to see something more in the coming weeks. Um, hopefully it's some sort of final form by the summer. And um, we're definitely going to be tracking that extremely closely. So this, this, the HEROES Act is in addition to the emergency items that were first released as COVID closures started. That's right. That's right. Okay. This is another omnibus funding. So it, it's our, has it already gone through the House as of right now? It has. Yes. Okay. 
All right. Uh, well, you mentioned the uh, Broadband uh, Data Act. Uh, let's let's go down that um, rabbit hole, if you will, for a moment and uh, explain to us. Uh, you mentioned Form 477, and I know that's related to that. So explain to us why that was, was so important for that to move forward. And that that was passed, if I have this right, tell me, Lindsay, if I have it wrong, um, that passed right before all the closures began, correct? Yes. Um, thanks for for that question, Jessica, it passed on March 10th, 2020. Um, the Broadband Data Act, and here's another one of those long names here for a piece of legislation, <laughs> so bear with me. The Broadband Deployment Accuracy and Technological Availability Act. Um, so this act really set the stage for a sweeping reform on how broadband data is collected, also verified and mapped by the FCC. So why was this needed? And we touched a little bit on this uh, above. So historically, broadband providers have reported service data via Form 477. And this process has largely been extremely flawed. Um, and it's not just one side of the aisle that said this. It's Democrats, Republicans alike. It's fairly universal uh, that folks feel that the Form 477 process needed revised. The Form 477 process and the way the FCC has traditionally handled this is that even if one household in a census block is served, the entire block is marked as being served, which is particularly problematic for rural blocks where they can be incredibly massive. Like if you take a very rural area in one of uh, the states that Connected Nation works in, for example, like Texas, the, the land mass of that, of that rural census block can be very large. So if even one household in that block is marked as, as being served, the entire block is marked as served, right? So the data is also unverified among various other issues with Form 477. And so what this really resulted in was a broadband map that is vastly overstated, um, it vastly overstated coverage in America. So that's when we get, uh, and I hear from people all the time, uh, this map says that I'm covered and I have access, but I don't. That's where we see a lot of that happening, right? Is that overstatement of coverage. That's right. Absolutely spot on. Um, so this is, uh, the Broadband Data Act was passed to help solve some of the issues. The law called for the FCC to do a number of things like create a location, fabric. And if you could see my hands right now, I would be doing air quotes around fabric. Um, <laughs> the fabric is, is what they're calling this. It's a serviceable location fabric, which would help identify serviceable structures. It also calls on the FCC to help ensure that the data is actually accurate as it's being reported by creating this fast challenge process where folks can look at the data other providers can look at the data that's submitted and challenge that data. It reforms the current Form 477 data collection process, and it launches a new national broad broadband map to display the data that is collected so folks can see where their service is and is not in their community. Um, all of this happens while providing technical assistance to providers so it's not overly burden burdensome particularly for small providers that maybe don't have a large GIS team or staff on board that, that can easily report this data. Um, but the issue is that this legislation was unfunded and that the FCC was prohibited from using their current universal service fund dollars to pay for it. 
and I think Chairman Pai actually also said that the FCC didn't have the funding to pay for it within their current operating budget. So um, we all along expected some other form of funding to come through from Congress for this to fund this piece of legislation that was passed. So that's why as some form of an omnibus uh, bill and, and funding mechanism like the one that we mentioned previously would be important to rolling out this vital piece of legislation since it can provide the money to actually do the work. Got it. So just because something passes doesn't mean that there's funding to make it happen. Yep, that's right. <laughs> yep. Um, so let, let, let's touch on a couple other little, uh, or not little, but some a couple other items that really impact people at um, the neighborhood level, even the, you know, families. Um, we've talked a long time about the homework gap. I, I'm doing air quotes as well now, which is basically the idea that kids have access at school and, and their classrooms, but, um, a portion of them, 12 million across the U S don't have access to broadband or IE high speed internet at home. So they can't do their homework there for the homework gap. That's been exasperated with closures from COVID-19 because kids can't even access their classes now. So uh, what are some policy or new ideas that you're seeing in this space? I know you mentioned E-rate very briefly. Uh, Could you explain some of the things that are happening to help kids and families that are in this situation? Absolutely. Uh, Congresswoman Meng and Senator Markey have an E-rate bill out called the Emergency Education Connections Act of 2020, which calls for E-rate support uh, to support uh, Wi-Fi hotspots and other connected devices during emergency periods such as this. It also allots $2 billion in the House version and $4 billion in the Senate version. There is also an E-rate to the home bill out there that Several organizations, uh, Shelby, which Connected Nation is a member of, SICA uh, and Funds for Learning, all have helped to draft this piece of legislation that calls for $5.25 billion to provide funding for home access, network equipment, devices such as laptops, tablets, as well as cybersecurity. Uh, It also explicitly allows schools and libraries to extend their existing E-rate funded networks to serve the surrounding community, including for backhaul. This bill also calls for changes to the E-rate program regarding funding caps and the application review and approval process and several other things. Um, So we definitely commend Shelby, SICA, Funds for Learning, for these uh, great efforts to to help address the homework gap and help close the digital divide in America. Um, let's just take a slight step back. Um, I realize that some people may not understand what E-rate is, and we talked about the funding component for the Data Act. Um, E-rate is something that is already out there, correct? Yes, it is. It's um, an, a program through the FCC that the FCC funds every year, um, and it provides... Um, discounts on broadband connectivity and access for schools and libraries across the country. So in essence, there's already a pot out there that is can fund these types of pieces of legislation. 
That's right. There is. Um, however, there are, are lots of specifics around the types of things that E-rate can and cannot fund. So one of the things that these bills are doing is allow allowing E-rate dollars to be spent on things that particularly help with learning from the home. So Wi-Fi hotspots, connected devices, um, community networks, and things such as that. So they're they're responding to the need that's happening by making that lifting regulations or changing regulations, that type of thing. That's right. Okay, uh, just making sure I have a clarity. Um, anything else at the federal level that we should explore, or new trends that you're noticing in anything, uh, telehealth or emergency broadband funding, or anything like that that you think that we should touch on? I think the trend right now, really, Jessica, is that it's all about home connectivity and community connectivity and bridging this digital divide that we've talked about. It's all about getting folks affordable internet access and affordable devices that they can use for work, telehealth, homework from home, and yes, even entertainment while we all have been quarantined during this unprecedented time. Yeah, I know I need some entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lindsay, we've talked a lot about the federal level of legislation that we're seeing. What about the state level? Are you seeing some forward momentum with state leaders taking on the need to expand broadband access to more people? Yes, there is so much activity at the state level. Um, States like my home state of Tennessee, for example, um, which offer broadband accessibility grants for expanding access and so many other states like that. Um, I would really encourage everyone that's listening to this podcast to check out the Pew Charitable Trust report on how states are expanding broadband access. Um, In that report, they analyzed a number of states, California, Colorado, Maine, Minnesota, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. And then Pew identified several promising practices which included stakeholder outreach and engagement, um, stating that states with broadband programs are working to engage various stakeholders um, at the state and local levels. They also um, noted that a, a policy framework is also a promising practice for a number of these states. They created this policy framework for broadband deployment by um, setting these well-defined goals and clear public policy directions. Um, They also looked at planning and capacity building in the states, um, stating that half of the states that have plans that define goals and objectives, um, they provide a baseline against which to measure the progress, which is obviously a great practice. They provide funding for uh, these types of, of broadband programs as well. Um, and also evaluation and evolution metrics. So um, I just would encourage everyone to check that out. They are a wealth of knowledge on what local states are doing to um, expand broadband access uh, for their citizens. Do you see it, um, since you see all this legislation and, and work at all these different levels, do you see it as really being something that has to be tackled from many different levels and points of view? Definitely. Um, We need to be paying attention to this with our federal leaders, our our congressmen, 
um, our agencies like the FCC, the White House needs to be looking at these issues, but also states need to be looking at these issues as well and figuring out how they can incentivize broadband providers to offer uh, affordable options for connectivity and also um, encourage them to build out in areas where maybe the business case traditionally has not been to, to build out service. So we really need to look at it from a number of, 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 of different avenues. Um, I think nonprofits and public-private partnerships like Connected Nation certainly play an important role uh, in this capacity as well because it helps everybody come around the table to talk about the issues that are facing communities and citizens um, on a daily basis. And those issues with connectivity are some of the most important ones out there, especially during this pandemic that we're facing. Okay. Well, let's end it on that note. Uh, thank you, Lindsay, for taking part today with us. Thanks for having me, Jessica. And um, if, if you're open to it, we'd love to get some updates throughout the uh, year on how legislation is going and um, update our audience on new pieces that are coming out. I'd love that. And for anyone that's listening that maybe has questions about how some of this legislation impacts you or your community or your state, feel free to reach out to me um, or our policy team, and we'd be glad to get you any information that you might need. Um, and on that note, you can find Lindsay's latest policy briefs and information at connectednation.org. You can also find her email there. Um, just check under the policy and research tab. Thank you, Lindsay, for joining us today. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more about our nonprofit, head to connectednation.org and look for the latest episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.